Welcome to Love and Live Abundantly. I'm Alana. I'm Bill. Do you want to love more effectively? Do you want to live fully and love more courageously? We talk about what all that means. And how you can achieve it. Join Join us. us. Welcome to season two. <laughs> we're excited to be in season two. As you can tell, we're happy and and we're we have a topic that we've been chatting about before we came on air. And uh, I'll let uh, I'll let Alana introduce it to you. Boundaries. Today we are going to be talking about boundaries, healthy boundaries, who to have them with, how to have them how to keep them, you know, just keep the flow of them and to, um, you know, honor, really honor yourself and um, in what you want, what you want to create and not allowing other people to um, break those boundaries for you, no matter who they are. Yeah, we, we decided uh, after... Uh, season one that a good way for us to to go with this stuff would be to pick a topic uh, and given that we both come from slightly different directions uh, ab- about that topic to be able just to explore it and what we found was that when we do that we end up with some kind of um, some kind of flow that seems organic and 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 reasonable so so uh, somebody asked me um, a few years back if I had an outline of the talk I was giving. Uh, and in that particular case, I had to say, no, I don't. I'm just talking. And and the fact is that out of our mutual shared and individual experience, that's what these discussions are all about. And boundaries really is just such a cool topic. I'm sure we'll talk about it more than once. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I feel like when you don't have boundaries in your life growing up, uh, it it shows up in many ways in adulthood, uh, you know, in relationships in um, you know, both work and personal relationships and all areas, really. Well, at the end of last season, we we talked about a number of things, but one of the things we talked about was connectedness. And I, I wouldn't, it's real clear to me that there's a, a world of difference between connectedness and having good boundaries. There's nothing that says you can't be connected and still have really good boundaries. It seems to me that one of the healthiest places to be is to be clearly and distinctly yourself uh, while being remaining connected to somebody else who is clearly and distinctly his or herself or itself or their self or whatever the current is. So, you know, with, with that, I feel like, you know, we grow up thinking that we know who we are and <laughs> then <laughs> we become an adult and you know some of the habits and 
um, other thing, you know, that we've created for ourselves is not really what we want. And then we look at ourselves like, who am I? What, you know, like, I don't want to be part of that dysfunction or that tradition or that, you know, upbringing. I want to create something different. And then you realize that you don't have healthy boundaries, right? And there's connectedness can actually look like codependency. Yeah, there's a, there's a term that uh, the folks in New Rochelle talked about, and it, it really always resonated with me, and that is differentiation. And that, that, that doesn't mean that I'm lonely or I'm disconnected or I don't care about you or that that I I cast you out of my boundaries, but it means that I'm differentiated. I am this person, and the the, the real difficulty uh, is is arriving at that. One of the one of the the things that that I'm real clear about is that I, I during my, my practice I never wanted to work with adolescents, and one of the reasons I didn't want to work with adolescents is that in addition to whatever brought them into the office with me, is they were going through that process. Maybe, hopefully, I pray they were going through the process of differentiation. I mean, they came out of their family being part of that family mush, that enmeshed thing called family. They they got their direction and their identity and all the rest of that from there. And then somewhere during adolescence, they became that evil demon adolescent the one that that suddenly sees parents as stupid and and ignorant and out of date and all the rest of that and it they have to do that i get that they have to do that that they have to be a real pain so that they can decide and survive they can decide yeah they have to leave so that they can come back and adopt those those and know that the what they adopt is now theirs and not just some legacy that they're dragging around with them. They can make decisions about it and they can own them. But, and I love that, that term differentiation. So explain that a little bit more. Cause I'm, I, I want our audience to really understand what you mean by differentiate. <gasps> oh my gosh. Uh, the, I, there's a three day uh, workshop I do on this. Uh, and I will boil that down now to about a 20-second <laughs> definition. No, a di differentiation is uh, clearly understanding who, who I am, having clear boundaries, while being able to remain connected in a healthy and productive way with the people around me. And where I can be proactive in my decision-making and not reactive. People with bad boundaries, they're always reactive. They're always, they're always counterpunching. They're always, they're always responding to something in their environment. Instead yeah. of making decisions on a moment-to-moment -moment basis about what moves me closer to remember that person you said I want to become? What moves me in the direction of that person I want to become? You know, and if I don't have any clear boundaries, then somebody else is making decisions for me. Do you think many people grow up with clear boundaries? 
I think more people yeah. grow up with, with clear boundaries than we imagine. Okay. I think the problem that you and I have is that I think we're tainted. Uh, because we know a lot of people. Yeah. Who ain't got lots good people. <laughs> we know lots of people. But the reason we know lots of people is because we work with folks who have an issue with boundaries. Folks with good boundaries, they say, and that's well, what you guys do. I don't need to come there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it, it's like when I started working in the field of chemical dependency, I noticed that all of the people who worked with me thought that everybody was an alcoholic, that everybody had a drug problem, that every problem was related to that or was caused by that. And the, the reason they thought, and it became a real surprise that there were actually people in the world who didn't use drugs for no other reason that they just didn't use drugs because our experience had been so focused. And I, and I think that you and I have that potential to be focused on something like that uh, because that's what we see. And that's what we find interesting to work on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I just imagine when you were explaining, you know, when a teenager goes through that process of really becoming their own person, right. And they, it's part of the developmental process is that they're supposed to make their parents angry. And, you know, I mean, not that they're supposed to, but they're just moving in their own direction for their own survival, for their own lives. For me, I guess I just wasn't even in that place because as a kid, um, I was already in a mode of, of conforming to make everybody else happy. I wanted peace, right? There was chaos around me and I wanted peace. And in a lot of ways, I allowed myself to be invisible, right? So for me, thinking about those teenage years, I don't connect to that because that's not what my experience was at that age. I was, you know, deep in the dysfunction of, of uh, my growth, you know? So you, so you didn't have an opportunity to be oppositional. I mean, isn't that the, the job number one for adolescents? Or isn't it supposed to be? Mm, yes. And for some of us who, who fit into something like a description of codependent, uh, sometimes we learn not to be, uh, not to be oppositional, that we became, we learned how to be codependent at the time when we were supposed to be oppositional. Yeah. When we we were supposed to be able to say, oh, no, not, no, no, that's not the way it's going to be, bucko. I'm going to chart my own course, however insane uh, or adolescent it might be. Yes. Mm. Yes. Pardon me. I'm a little bit hoarse, so I've, I've put a cough drop in. Okay. Not a problem. Okay. So when we were talking once last season, about you and your mom. That was such a good example of how, how you went from having concerns about the clarity of boundaries and the lack of it, the lack of clarity of boundaries between you and your mom uh, upon reconnecting when she moved in. Yes. 
And I thought that that was an, a particularly good session because you had such neat tips about the things that you did and the ways in which you clarified those boundaries, you and she, you know, two adult women who, who decided they needed to re-engineer their relationship. I just thought that was very cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we had to, you know, we, we got to um, create better ways. Right. And so it, it, you know, I love my mom and I want her to be here with me. I've dreamed of her coming out here for a really long time. And it was, it was very disheartening. I was very sad that we were just so just out of alignment, right? We just, we were, we were like in the same book, but we were on totally different chapters. And I, and I realized too, like she's lived alone for many years, right? So she doesn't realize in her upbringing and I knew that to for us to get in the same chapter that you know it it's not just about what she needed to do it was what I needed to do as well and for me to expect something to it was like inspect with you inspect what you expect right I, I have these expectations um and so it I'm not just going to point the finger at her. It's I have to do these things as well so that I set the tone so she knows what it looks like because she didn't grow up with boundaries. So mm -hmm. she doesn't know how to implement them. You well, know, it, it occurs to me that there, there, there must've been somewhere that she was exposed to something like healthy boundaries because the, the way it seemed to work with you guys was that you seemed to, to have, templates each of you that that so that when you sat down and started talking about what you needed to do there were tools available to the two of you and Absolutely. that and that when you made those work together they didn't have to be identical but when you made them work it worked yeah yeah Absolutely. and i and i the i'm really struck by one of the things that i remembered about that conversation and that was how positive the relationship is now. Yes. And, and, and that was a direct result <laughs> of working together on this. Yeah. And not just saying, oh, well, let's just keep being reactive and maybe it'll take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like we, we you both, you both have to, you have to choose in, right? And, we both chose in and we knew that we wanted to be in the same surroundings, you know, only 60 feet away. Um, and we weren't sure how it all looked, but now, now we do, you know, yeah. and <laughs> it's funny, like the other day she, um, <laughs> Cause, you know she helps me she doesn't like my laundry and stuff and she's like I give you permission to come up and pick your laundry up <laughs> you know so it was because I don't just walk up into her place you know like I respect her area as well and um you know I'm not just gonna go in her space and pick up my laundry like no I'm gonna wait for permission to do that right because that's what I want from her 
So yeah, I think it's important to remember that that boundaries are more than just some emotional construct. That you know, there's that emotionally there's this line between you and I that we have to maintain in some else sort of way. But it has corollaries physically. I mean, I I know families where folks from the family will come from out of state, walk into the house and walk into somebody, open somebody's refrigerator or go through their socks. And and it's, nothing is thought of it. Where other families where you don't even, you don't go to visit your brother without calling ahead first. Mm-hmm. I mean, there pe- people have mutualities about their rules and it looks like th- that you all are still struggling with making sure that we understand what the rules are. With that business of you, I give you permission. Yes, you can come down here. <laughs> oh, I don't know if she said that to be a wise, you know, to to be sarcastic. Um, or maybe that's I, how she got to help herself remember. Maybe, yeah. Make yeah. it more real. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, uh, I, I just, and I, I just thought of something and I, I lost it. Um, and you're so young you should i do that (laughs) i can blame age oh what was it no i don't know um let's just assume that you and i are being so stimulating in our conversation that it just flew out of your head yeah well yeah because i i do feel like that i feel like you know like we're just back and forth and and um it's just really flowing great yeah yeah well back to the boundaries thing yes oh one of the things that that uh happened in my field was that we went through about a four or five year period where my field uh, that is field of chemical dependency and marriage and family therapy that that we became obsessed with boundaries and we and there were books there were just all over the place being written and people were were doing presentations at conferences and and they were that's all they could talk about was boundaries and and it was like it was a it was a whole new toy that we had never played with before but um i just had the experience that you had i don't know where the heck i was going with that <laughs> do you think it's catching um maybe it, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no but no no i know what it is that that one of the things that we found was that for many 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 years maybe 100 years we've been talking about codependency and we had been talking about uh the the kind of um radiation effects on people around folks who have a chronic illness like addiction or schizophrenia or whatever and um uh, we didn't have a really good explanation for how that happens, right? But when you start thinking about it in terms of boundaries, then it started making all kinds of sense about how people out there get contaminated by the whatever the chronic illness is that they're having to deal with. It was just so cool. For example... If you happen to live with somebody, and I know you can relate to this, but if you happen to live with somebody in their emotional field and they have a chronic illness, it's very hard not to get caught up in it. 
Mm. And it's very hard not to be reactive to it. It's very hard not to try to fix it or to make it right and then be all frustrated and angry that it doesn't work. It's very, it just happens. And one of the ways that happens is that the illness dissolves the boundary between us. And now the way you feel, the way you act has tremendous influence over the way I feel and the way I act. And I mean, I, I remember you describing that with your trip to Ireland yeah, and how, how you got swept up in it. Right? Um, and one of the things that we found was that if, if it's not that, it's the other way, is that when people are confronted with that, then they set up these immutable, thick, impenetrable boundaries between them and the person that they otherwise care about. And so they, they become disconnected. Right? You didn't do that. I remember the, the way you described that was like a case study. You did not do that. When I was in Ireland? Yeah. <clears throat> no, I went back to my tools. I went to my toolbox. I did. And I grabbed onto those tools with all my might. <laughs> um, you know, I, I say if it wasn't for those tools, there wouldn't have been much that would have kept me from being in a bed next to him, you know, and <laughs> having to, you know, help him. But it, I feel like, you know, a lot of what happens when we're, when we're, when we're kids and we experience, you know, childhood trauma, yeah. um, our boundaries are broken then. That's, you know, there's, there's either it's the personal space, right, of our body or somebody yelling at us or, um, you know, the boundaries aren't kept from a very young age. And we do become morphed in what, in, I'm trying to think of a better word than dysfunction. <laughs> um, but into their limiting beliefs or their programs, you know, how they choose to live their life. Uh, mm -hmm. it, because you don't know what you don't know, right? You grow up and you think that that's life. And maybe it's a little quirky, right? But you never think of it, on, or I never thought about it as a total 180, where it was like, holy crap, like, I can't function like this, <laughs> you know, and, you know, as, as much as I appreciate my family and all of the love that they've given me, I am not able to continue to, to live the way that they live. Mm. And I want to make that different for, I feel like, you know, when you were talking, it made me think of generational trauma, right? Instead of handing it on to the next generation, like, no, I'm going to be the one who was like, hey, <laughs> we don't have to do this, right? Um, and I just, I, I think too, because I've experienced recently um, with my mom being here, that I, I am then hyper aware of boundaries around me, mm -hmm. right? And in other relationships, um, as well as with other people, you know, like seeing how they operate in their relationships. 
and how we like to be enmeshed in other people. It makes us feel good. It gives us purpose. I, I think about, you know, one of my women who's in my coaching program and, um, you know, she, she uh, adopted a boy and just the, he's absolutely adorable. Like she's a great mom and, um, you know, he's the sweetest kid. And yet I feel like they're a little too, too enmeshed, right? Like she lives too much for him. And what is that going to do for him? And I feel like I can say that because that's how I felt with myself. Right. Like I feel like I enmeshed myself with my mom in a lot of ways that weren't yeah. healthy, but it's what we needed to survive at that time. That's what made us feel good at that time. Well, and it, what it, one of the things that's sad for me is I'm paradoxically glad for me is that you had an opportunity at some point to say, not nah, it doesn't it doesn't need to be that way. No, it doesn't. Uh what is sad though is that I don't know that you aren't unusual that way, that there aren't folk out there who uh unwittingly, uncharacteristically, thinking it's normal, that they transmit that to the next generation and to the next generation mm -hmm. without some sense without some sense that it's possible to be another way. I mean, I've had people say that to me in my office. Well, that's just the way it is. No, that may be the way it's been, but it doesn't need to be the way it is. It can, it can change. And, it, you know, that that's what we've been talking about. Uh, all of these sessions is how do you go from some place where you're not happy or you're you're feeling dysfunctional or you're out of sorts or you're or you're or as one of my clients once said i, I know that they have a mental illness but why do i have the symptoms mm. yeah yeah and 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 that was such a common complaint why am i feeling this way i i, I don't have it too do i well in a sort of kind of a way you do because mm. you because if you're being reactive to every one of their symptoms, then then every time they have a symptom, you do too. It may be the, the direct opposite, but you do. And the fact that they walk into my office says they get it, that they know that they can change, that it doesn't have to be that way. But I've always wondered how many people don't come into my office and just live lives of kind of quiet, enduring pain. Wow. Yeah. Never know. And it doesn't have to be that way. No, absolutely. I mean, I, there's a lot of people out there like that. And, uh, you know, and that's why I'm very clear. Like I want to work with the people who are open to it. Right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to convince anybody to be, you know, where they could be if they don't see that they can be somewhere else. If that, makes sense um yeah, I, I don't think you need to convince folks i think if if folks work with you uh then the change that comes about in their lives as a result of doing that kind of work that becomes evident you know if there are folks in their lives who are going to say what's happened to you it's all good but what's happened something's different 
and and you give i think that way is the best way to give other folks hope that change can occur and that's i think that's the best way to recruit i mean you can you can take out expensive tv ads but i don't think they're effective but i think changing yourself helping others to change themselves and let that light shine i think that's what illuminates change i i just said something neat i think we should stitch that on a sampler <laughs> in the kitchen that you so, want to teach that huh? is that what you said no i want to stitch it on a sampler oh okay yeah because i thought it was such a cute saying <laughs> anyway and that that leads me to believe that somehow we've come to the end of this session because i'm i'm beginning to get um irrelevant so and i think i probably need some time out now but i well you know what i'd like to talk about next time is i'd like to come back to the boundaries issue can we do that yeah sure absolutely it's okay. important so episode two in this season we'll be talking about boundaries again sounds good bill good Great. to see you again same here bye thanks for joining us join us on mondays at 6 p.m eastern time enjoyed this podcast follow us on social media truth be told one world